Prepare to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Good evening and welcome to An Adventure in History. I'm Alana Quila with Providence Seaside Hospital here tonight with Mac Burns, Executive Director of Katsup County Historical Society. And we are well into August. It's hard to believe. It's August. I know. Like, well, <laughs> we're into it. How did that happen? It feels like it should still be middle of June. I know. It's very know. strange. And my daughter looked at the calendar the other day and she's like, oh, school's going to start soon. Is she getting I- nervous? It was, or is she, she excited? Was a little both, a little both. She was, ex- I mean, she was like very excited about school, but I mean, life is kind of good in the summertime too. <laughs> Play outside all day. The weather's been really nice. <laughs> so, I, would, I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah, I know you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Busy season, summer, yeah, summertime. We, we, we so. have a guest here today. We do. Um, and he blazes the trails. Ooh. Or could be. Is that, that could be one way to describe our guest tonight. Any other description before we exactly say who you are? That seems good enough. That's all. Oh, there we <laughs> go. Good enough. So we have Dan Goody. Thank you for joining us tonight. Tell uh, us your official title. Uh, Dan Goody. I'm uh, the district forester here in Astoria for the Oregon Department of Forestry. Great. All We're right. glad you're here tonight. Terrific. So um, we got we had the fair county. Yes. Fair. Took the kids. Old fashioned fair. Was okay without the rides. Did you eat the corn dogs? Funnel. I did not, but my children did. Funnel cakes? Uh, cotton candy is the candy. big one. Oh, it's a big deal. That's too sticky. Oh, it's so sticky. <laughs> oh, my god! Like kids need help getting sticky. I know. Aren't they already sticky? Yes, always <laughs> sticky. Although the, the pictures you post, your kids never look sticky. That's true, but they go through a lot of outfits in one day. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think you just never put those photos out. Oh, that could be too. Yeah. You, you never take photos of when they're really just disgusting little kids. Oh, well, well maybe from the fair. Maybe I'll find some because uh, we certainly get, you know, dirty there, but it's okay. fun. I and, like the old fashioned. And regatta coming up because I think yeah. we have something every weekend in Astoria. We do. So regatta's you coming gotta up. You got a regatta. We got a regatta. It's back in full force. We can do it. You know, I've always embraced that phrase, but for some reason I just want to like say no. <laughs> let's let's come up with a new one right 18 years 19 years i've been liking that phrase since i've been here but all of a sudden we need to rebrand is what you're saying no probably not well, it's been around a long somebody time. could rebrand it so but then they'd say oh remember the days when we used to say gotta regatta right and then we'd look fondly back at that and realize that we should have stuck with <laughs> stuck, it so. right instead of paying for it anyway okay <laughs> thought for the day I think it's late. I'm too. I'm I know, you're, sleep deprived you're or something. Groggy. So shall we just get to the history highlights and get on with this? Because this is going to be a good show. Uh, let's see. So these are things that happen tomorrow, August mm-hmm. 8th, as always. Things you can brag about, uh, icebreakers at work or water coolers if those still exist, or if you're on Jeopardy. That, right. If you happen course. to be a Jeopardy contestant. Let us know. Tonight and you're showing up tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So uh, 1844, Brigham Young is chosen to lead the Mormons. I saw that one. Uh, and he succeeded well, he certainly um, led them off to, to Utah. Right, but uh, succeeding Joseph Smith. Oh, succeed. I thought you said, I thought you oh. meant like, oh, you he said was he successful. Su- yes. Well, he, he was. Yes, that's true too. But <laughs> yes, yeah. he did succeed Joseph Smith. <laughs> All right. Um, I should just. Stop. I need to be careful with I you tonight. I should just stop talking. Uh, 1945, President Truman signs the United Nations Charter. Oh, that's good. Ooh, yeah. see, and we hadn't signed the League of Nations, so that's probably why that failed. 
Oh. But this time we signed on. Right. United Nations, we're going to make it a go. Make a go of it. But it has to be in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, isn't it all about the United States? Just are saying. We, we, isn't it always about us? We want your money, too. <laughs> all right. Uh, 1974, Nixon resigns. Yep. I saw that one. It's a good one. That's good. So I really would love to know, like, what's the deal with the big victory peace sign, like, as he's getting on the helicopter? Oh, was he like, what, what did he think he was like putting out there? It's got to be a 60s thing. <laughs> but he see, didn't really see, emanate 60s, though, did he? Yeah, like, well, that's why that, I thought it was ironic. See, that, that's what I'm like, is he being <laughs> funny? Like, oh, peace to all of you? Or is it like victory? Or Yeah, I don't know. Huh. But yeah, he does not. Or just, maybe he just wanted <laughs> to fit in. <laughs> I'm entering the real world, folks. <laughs> All right. Um, 1988, the lights go on at Wrigley, Wrigley Field Baseball. Oh, nice. Had never had night games. How fun. And they turn the lights on. I've been to Wrigley Field. It's fun. Have you? I've never been. It's small. Well, it's because it's a million years old. Right. Yes. (laughs) Yep. We toured it. And and yeah, and then they have some of the original seats, which are just like, oh my gosh, this looks awful to sit in. And they might have replaced them by now. I mean, it was probably Probably. 10 or 12 years ago that Mark and I went, but... Uh did you go I to mean, the game or did you just We tour? didn't. We did the tour, but they have you even sit in these seats and people pay tons of money. I mean, there's no way once you're in the seat, there's no mm. like walking or getting out of your seat unless everybody oh, exits the whole like aisle. I don't like that at all. Yeah. It's. Wow. It was tiny. Okay. There and you I, go. I kind of remember this and, and being old school, I was kind of like, oh, I kind of like that one last stadium. Right. Not doing it. But they so. redid. I mean, it's a very small portion that mm-hmm. still has those original seats. Okay. And I don't think the ticket prices are the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got to pay for those lights somehow. <laughs> All right. But our uh, history highlight of the day thing I think had the most impact in uh, not always good. And this one's open to interpretation. But uh, yep. 1854, Smith and Wesson patents metal bullet cartridges. Yeah. Patents. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have to rip the little package and pour it into the the muzzle of your <laughs> ancient uh, rifle. and Which would have slowed people down out. a little bit, though. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So well. now you got bullet cartridges. Okay. So Good or bad. 1854, Smith & Wesson. What I missed, because I well, think I missed a bunch of them. One was 1979, also not good, but Iraq's president in 1979, Saddam Hussein, executes 22 political opponents. Just thought, Isn't that pretty much any day? I know. <laughs> not, a nice, a, not, not a nice guy. No. Uh, and then 1899, I do appreciate this one. The first household refrigerating machine is patented. Ooh. Yeah. I, had, I like that. I had friends who recently had their entire refrigerator go out. It just stopped working. It was a new one, newer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of a big deal when your refrigerator. I mean, that's a lot of food. And, and then try is. finding even a neighbor that can fit all of your food into their refrigerator. <laughs> Now, see, you're going to make me tell my Kenmore uh, refrigerator oh, story again. Right. You like your old, the I, old one. I do. I kept it. It's in my, my uh, garage because I like it so much. I bought a, I bought a Kenmore refrigerator back in St. Joe, Missouri for $300 back in 97. And I used it for three years. Then we moved to Vermont and it was unplugged and just sat in the garage for two years in a cold Vermont winter, and then we moved to, to, to here, and we didn't need it, so it sat on a back porch that was open and oh exposed, unused and unplugged in, in all the rain and everything else, and then that was a rental, and the fridge died, so we, I said, well, I got this fridge, and I rolled it in, plugged it in, it worked like a charm. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I've had that thing for since '97 for 300 bucks, and Still it worked perfectly. Working. Yeah. So I yeah. would I would always go with Kenmore fridges if I could. There you go. You're the so spokesman. I I would love to be a spokesman. <laughs> I could stand next to my fridge. <laughs> but shifting gears. Shifting gears. Yeah, I can't think of a good segue No, there. No, no good segue. But uh, Dan, let's start with uh, how you ended up here. In this room or lots <laughs> of County? Or? Yeah. What's, your, what's your background? Yes. Where were you born? Where'd you grow uh, up? I grew up in a military family. My dad was a Marine Corps officer. Um, grew up, uh, lived in 26 states, three countries. Um, I went to three different high schools, uh, 5,000 miles apart. Uh, freshman year was in uh, Quantico, Virginia, um, right near DC. So got exposed to a lot of Pentagon work. Um, then a year in Okinawa, Japan, with the Kubasaki High School. Wow. Um, a lot of fun there. Actually, one of the best years in high school that I had because they were all military dependents. So everybody was in the same boat, regardless of background, creed, color. Everyone was a military dependent. So everyone just kind of glommed on that. Hmm. Having a little bit of culture shock living in a foreign <laughs> country. Um, and then from there, went to uh, Hawaii and spent two years at Punahou High School there. Um, went to Oregon State because I wanted to work outside. They had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't want a nine-to-five job. And forestry hmm. seemed up my alley and kind of fell into it. Oregon State, wow. though, from Hawaii. Yes. What led? Why, why Oregon State? Uh, I think it was a land-grant school. And, you know, coming from Punahou, which was a fairly prestigious prep school for college, I don't know if it was an anti-affluence uh, mode I was in at the time, <laughs> um, but it, it had some attraction to me. I like backpacking, hunting, and hiking, and all that good stuff, and uh, Oregon State and Corvallis was a nice place to go, and, and you know, it was that or Duke, and I just didn't mm. want to go back to the East Coast. Mm. Um, so, had, had you ever visited Oregon before? I had not uh, in my memory. I had been here as a child mm-hmm. on one of the many moves as we drove through. There's a picture of me in the snow and Ben somewhere um, <laughs> when I was itty bitty, but uh, I had no memory of it. So it was kind of a neat adventure. Wow. Kind of, everything I owned went in a duffel bag. My dad threw me on an airplane. I flew to OSU and that was that. And then four years in one place, right? Did yeah. you stay there all four years? Uh, yeah, all four years. That was the longest I lived in one place my entire life. What was that yeah. like? But, I mean, I, was that a little culture shock? It was. Well, I didn't stay in the same same building, so I right. moved. Uh, you know, I had a job working for forestry, fighting fires during the summer while I was going to school, and started learning the rest of the state. So it was kind of a neat way to learn the state of Oregon, working for forestry. Um, worked out of the Forest Grove office at a little guard station up on the McMinnville watershed. Um, it's not there anymore, but it was just this little rundown shack we lived in. Um, it was great for 20-year-olds. Um, you know, as soon as you're done fighting fire, you hung up your gear, grabbed your fishing pole and went down to the Creek. So how did you fall into firefighting as a summer college gig? Well, they're always looking for seasonals and department forestry always goes down to Corvallis and sees all the forestry students there. And of course they start handing out flyers and, uh, you know, I was simple enough to take the bait and went for it and, uh, what kind of training goes into that? I mean, they don't, I obviously assume they don't just send you out. Oh, no, no, they don't just hand you a shovel and say fire put out. Uh, <laughs> no, we have a long list of training standards that we work people through, and I could spend all day ticking through the, the checkoff list of training. Um, but, you know, we have, we have ongoing training for all our employees all the way up through command and general staff, on our incident management team, to the basic firefighter. Um, you know, so it's basically a lifelong endeavor to be a firefighter depending on what level of responsibility you want to take mm-hmm. in that role. 
I find it so interesting that you go into land management and that you do firefighting. I mean, I find this really interesting. So explain how that works. And then also when you were in college, did you know that the two went hand in hand, that when you went into one, you were going to become the other? Uh, intuitively, it might have. Um, you know, working for Department of Forestry at the time, I was just a seasonal firefighter, so my job was not to make my boss mad <laughs> and then drive the truck and then go to the fire and do what I was told to do when I was on the fire. But as you take on more responsibility, you learn more about what's going on. Um, so sort of piecing the dots to that together. And then, uh, you know, we have three operational programs in the agency, and one is fire, one is state forest management, and the other one is forest practices. Um, you know, so we uh, administer the Forest Practices Act on all non-federal lands in Oregon. Um, we manage lands here, like the class of state forests locally, um, under the greatest permanent value for the people of Oregon. And then under protection of fire, we prevent fires on all non-federal lands again. So what's the difference between practices and management? Well, forest practices is a set of standards that everyone has to you know, meet or exceed. Mm-hmm. So they're by statute or rule developed by the Board of Forestry of you can't plant less than X number of trees per acre, or you have to reforest within two years after harvest. So so those are minimum standards. Okay, so this is the guidelines for if I own a bunch of property and I have it logged that I've got to do these things. Correct. that's part of your management or guidance that you set out that this is what we've got to do. Yeah, and different landowners have different objectives, so they have to meet those baseline thresholds but they may want to grow trees for a different reason. Mm-hmm. Um, one for saw logs, one for pulp, one for a different type of saw logs. So they'll grow different densities of trees or different species composition of trees based on their own objectives, but they have to meet those minimum thresholds. Okay. So when you started learning about that, did you, I mean, again, you said you were, you know, you liked hiking, you liked fishing, all mm-hmm. those things. I mean, that was just, just, did the career just really call out to you then? It, it, it did, but not. there was no big aha moment. Yeah. It just kind of fell into it. I was like, hey, this is cool. And then every day is different. You know, you could be on a fire. I was a division supervisor on an incident management team, and you, I could deal with fighting fire with helicopters and dozers and air tankers, and then the next hour be dealing with a landowner whose ranch got burned over. Right. And now wow. we're dealing with uh, cost share agreements, dealing with the landowner assistance, so you're dealing with a whole bunch of things all at the same time. Right. So it's that diversity of tasks that I really liked. Grateful landowners or hateful <laughs> yeah. Landowners. Oh, yeah. We, we get all the above. <laughs> yes, all the above. So when you moved to Oregon, did you did you ever leave the state again? Did you move out? I have back? not. Uh, it took me a while to get a permanent job. When I started back in the late 80s, tar- times are tough. Um, it, I was a seasonal that bounced around between Forest Grove, Tillamook, Klamath Falls, for three and a half years before I landed a permanent job here in Astoria. Oh, wow. Um, so you've that, been here since? That was uh, 90, December 92. Wow. And um, you've been here since then? Yeah, permanently. Amazing. Yeah, but I started, I've worked on this district back as far back as 88 on fires. So what keeps you here now? Uh, well, going back to that the whole long moving history, um, I was looking for a home. And we kind of stumbled into it. You know, where else can you uh, get a hook in the water five minutes from your house? Um, go backpacking, go hiking, go hunting. I had two branch bull elk in my backyard this morning. Um, you know, where else can you get that? Right. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to buy a nice house before the market went bananas. Mm-hmm. And then we've always just kind of figured that was our retirement home. So, so if, if I'm new to Clatsop County and I'm driving around, what forests, when I'm looking at 
trees and forests? Am I am I looking at county land, state land, private owned land? What's the mix? Um, the majority of the forest land is private industrial. Um, if you're just looking at sheer acres, um, and some of the larger landowners, Nuveen, formerly known as Greenwood, Hampton Tree Farms up Big Creek, um, Stimpson's on the border. Um, towards the east side of the county, and then warehousers got quite a bit of ground in the southern part of the county. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole bunch of others I'm forgetting there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the city has its watershed up, you know, just above the hill here, and state forest is about 137,000 acres within the county that we manage. Wow. That number just makes no sense to me of, <laughs> you know, I mean, I can picture an acre. I can picture... Oh, it's huge. But I just can't picture 137,000. It just... It, my head can't wrap around that. Well, and the county is roughly 94% forest land. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. And about 99% of the population is along the coastal fringe. <laughs> yeah, so we're pushed out. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So- and, and how much is there any in Clatsop County, any old growth that mm-hmm. would be untouched? In smidges yeah. and bits and parts here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one small grove at the base of uh, Onion Peak. Um, if you go down to South County and look up at the hills and you see kind of, it looks sort of like half dome that's not been halved off. That's Onion Peak. And at the base of that, there's some old growth spruce hemlock. Oh, interesting. Um, you know, there's, there are bits and pieces. They're kind of hidden. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of this county was cut over in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Uh, and actually even older than that, back when uh, it was all ocean line ships. I have records from tax records of one of the first clear-cut harvests behind our office back in 1872, I think. Hmm. Um, So we actually have a sign that says, logged in 1872, (laughs) logged again in 1930, planted, replanted, logged again. Um, And that's out next to the fairgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. Not just right here. Yeah, and and for for a dumb guy like me, I could walk through that and just think, oh, this has never been touched. Right. Because it just looks... Like a forest. Yeah, we we have photos, aerial photos from 1951 and 52 of the entire class of state forest where it's one giant clear cut. <laughs> the whole thing. The whole thing. They mm-hmm. cut everything. Um, you know, so really it's been somewhat of a restoration effort, though we've never characterized it as such. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the beauties is that we didn't uh, put off-site seed on it. Like when the Tillamook reburnt three, four times, they brought in a lot of off-site seed from northern Washington because it's the only place you could get seed. Mm-hmm. And if you bring in stuff that's not supposed to grow there, it doesn't grow very well. Oh. So a couple Hence of that. the second and third burn. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, they get those trees get to a certain age, and they just stop growing so well. Oh, interesting. Um, we have some of the most productive forest lands in the country in this county. Hmm. Um, and f- folks forget that. I, I was just out on Friday, and even our 10-year-old trees are putting on three feet of height a year amazing so I was gonna that was gonna be my question though so how do we compare with the rest of the country and not necessarily Washington I, I mean but I mean there is a lot of preservation a lot of work that goes into managing this resource it is and it's, just, it's a balance of values and you know that's always a conversation particularly with the Board of Forestry what are those values and some of those values have trade-offs mm-hmm. um, you know you can maximize economics or you can mac- maximize conservation efforts or maximize socialized social efforts. Um, you know, I think we've hit a pretty good balance. We generate roughly $20 million a year to the county and special taxing districts here. Um, a lot of jobs and we still have, we have developed recreation sites, um, 
for both motorized and non-motorized. We have campgrounds. Um, you know, we're putting on a sixth grade forestry day, forestry day for sixth graders um, at our office uh, coming up in September. So every school in, in uh, Clossop County will be swinging by and getting a little education mm-hmm. on what it is to grow trees for oh, a living. Fun. So when historically do you, would you say logging companies or locals or state government officials started realizing, hey, we can't just cut this stuff. We need to replant and we need to, to, to be smart about this. And we, we do have to manage it. It can't just be throw seeds out and hope yeah. something grows. I think it goes all the way back, you know, to the, after they did the cutting over the county, all the way back to Governor Sprague, um, who set up statutes where the counties could deed over these cutover lands back to Oregon Department of Forestry, the Board of Forestry, to mm-hmm. manage in perpetuity. Um, so they started seeing, you know, the pioneer days were going away. How do we manage this resource? This land will have value again at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so those folks were pretty visionary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it took a lot of political courage in my mind to make some of those commitments. That's why I'm always stunned. I think a lot of people think it's, it's relatively new in the big scheme of things. But like Katie Flavel from the Flavel House, she was writing letters to the editor in the, the early 1900s saying, Judge, hey, there's nothing wrong with chopping trees down. We should need to replant them, though. Yeah, Judge Guy Boynton. Yeah. Um, you know, he established uh, the first very state forest, uh, the Boynton State Forest, which is up Highway 202, which is now part of the class of state forest, um, off of the California Barrel Road. In Simmons Ridge Road, that's all part of the original Boynton State Forest. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, because also the return on that investment takes a while, too. I mean, and I would imagine that's the hard sell is, you know, you need to just... Well, and you see it not just state forests. um, You know, for timber companies, they pay timber taxes. So they have a reduced property tax. So they keep that land in forest land producing forests. So when they harvest, then they pay a special tax on the lumber they remove from that property. So it's taxed mm-hmm. differently than, say, a homeowner. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, interesting. So it's incentivizing them to keep it in forest land. Mm-hmm. Right. And how often do you encounter in your job either one of those extremes of um, how dare anybody tell me that I can't just chop down my trees and, and have a field <laughs> versus somebody else who says, how dare anybody chop down any trees? They're beautiful forests. Uh, 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a daily conversation. Okay. You know, it is a balance between personal property rights mm-hmm. um, when you're talking about, you know, the Forest Practices Act. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's a process that, go, that goes through and they're looking at it right now under the uh, private forest accord, doing some new rule development for that. So it's, it's an ongoing conversation that'll never end, you know, as we find out more about what's needed to keep healthy fish stocks and uh, properly functioning aquatics, you know, we'll be tweaking these buffer standards and other operational constraints as we go. But your office is here to sort of help people navigate that so Correct. that they're we, not... We don't craft policy, right. we implement. Yes. So, so somebody can come to your office and then they're told what needs to be done yeah. based on their plan. Yeah, and, and a lot of times if it's a smaller landowner, well, our stewardship forces go out in the woods with them, mm-hmm. go look at it on site, you know, here mm-hmm. are the tools. In some places there's grants involved. If they want to do something, particularly if you move east side or towards the valley where it's drier and hotter and the fire regime's a little scarier, mm-hmm. um, you know, for fuel reduction pro- projects, things mm-hmm. of that nature. Um, so we're always reaching out and connecting with those landowners. So I have to ask, what is your favorite kind of tree? Huh. And in just Clatsop County, so you can't say any place else in the state, in the Clatsop County, what's your favorite trail to hike 
and yeah. place to camp. I'm not telling you my favorite place to camp. <laughs> he doesn't want me showing up. <laughs> I don't want anybody showing up. <laughs> I might know the name of that one. That's why I didn't ask favorite place to fish. <laughs> oh, oh, favorite tree. That's always a Doug fir. Okay. Um, which is a state tree. Um, is it because you have to say that? No, it, it, it isn't. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's our cash tree, but uh, we, you know, we grow trees where they're supposed to grow. And we're blessed in Clatsop County to have at least four different kind of ecotypes. Um, along the coastal strip, it's mostly hemlock spruce, and that's what wants to grow there. And they're scattering other species. Then you get into the Nahalem Valley, and that's all Doug fir country. It just wants to grow Doug fir with a little bit of cedar, a little bit of alder. And then you get to those mixed areas along Highway 30, you know, that big noise country. Um, it's hemlock, Doug fir, cedar, spruce, alder. Um, then you get up in the Green Mountain country, um, it's all that and more. Um, and then South County down towards uh, the mouth of the Halem, it's all together. It's much more spruce hemlock with some Doug fir scattered in. It, it, it's, it, it rains the most in the county down there. So it definitely has that rainforest feel to it. How fun. Didn't say the camp, but I did recently go camping at Northrop Creek Horse Camp. Oh, that's a great campground. Which was built or right by the Department of Forestry. That is correct. Yeah, with the equestrian folks, um, and it's I think like six or seven horse campsites, and then mm-hmm. three non-horse campsites. We don't have horses, so um, it is reservation yeah. only. I know yet. If I don't give a shout out to OET, they'll yell at me. Yes. <laughs> so big, big thanks to them and the work they did at getting that uh, oh, horse camp up the snuff. I mean, that's a Cadillac uh, horse camp. It is. We were the only non-horse camp folks there in our three spot, one of one spot. But um, it was really nice because the little kids, you know, our, my kids got to go to those campsites. And of course, you know, horse owners are so nice and mm-hmm. friendly that they're all like, oh, please come pet our horses. Please come feed them a carrot. And so it was really fun to just see them hiking You're around. So getting Carly a horse at some point. I know. Oh, man, she really wants it. I'm just hoping like a cousin somewhere gets a horse. Yeah. <laughs> So you can go visit it. I know, right? Or a pig or something. (laughs) So me not owning any forest land, but me appreciating the outdoors and enjoying hiking and camping from time to time, uh, what can I do to support your office and support um, healthy use of forests, either recreationally or monetarily? Wow, that's a big one. <laughs> well, first and foremost, just, just personal responsibility. When you go out in the forest, uh, you know, leave, leave no trace. Um, being fire friendly, um, you know, not doing anything. And then knowing uh, time of the year, uh, fire regs. You know, what are you allowed to do during different times of year? As the peacock boards, the fire danger boards go up from uh, low to moderate to high to extreme, there's the rules that go with every one of those grades. Um, so we're in moderate right now, so we can't have campfires anywhere, but just in designated sites. As we get to high, all of a sudden OHV use in the forest goes down. You can't have campfires anywhere other than designated sites in a campground. You know, so those rules get ratcheted up. Got it. Any predictions uh, in our last minute or so for the fire season, the remainder of it? Uh, Which we're, is- we're starting late, so knock on wood, it'll keep being slow, but uh, we just had a big batch of lightning last night, and we'll see what happens in the coming days. Okay. Wow. Well, there All we right. go. So if somebody has a question or wants yeah. to contact you, how do, they, how do they do that? Yeah, please just contact our office uh, at 325-5451. Okay, right. one more time. 325-5451. And people can stop by your office and kind of walk that little 
Yeah, we have the, the demo forest is open right next to our office. There's a public parking spot right when you come up the driveway, and uh, feel free and, and explore. Right and next it, to the fair. It's, ter- it's turning off before the fairgrounds. It is, yes, to your, to your left if you're coming yes. from Astoria. Okay, well, thanks so much. We're glad to have you here, and thanks for sharing about how you ended up in Oregon. Glad you stayed. Oh, glad to be here. And we're glad that somebody's watching out for the trees. Yes. Because they can't do it themselves. Go hug a tree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but... Go sit under a tree. Okay. Or plant a tree. All right. Go make some history. Thanks for listening. And we will catch you next week. Thank you for joining us for An Adventure in History. An Adventure in History is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.